Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going pretty good. We are both kind of under the weather this week. Yes. Both of us, uh, I think, battling sinus and cold stuff this week. Uh, my wife is as well, so I know you're, you're still kind of maybe some lingering effects of your trip to Southeast Asia. Yeah, I don't know. We uh, this this month has been a rough one for our family. It seems like we always have something cycling through here. So um, I have high hopes for February. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll we'll struggle through this thing today. Uh, a little bit on the struggle bus for the uh, the podcast today. But big news coming out of D.C. this week. We've got some big news involving uh, the Evangelicals for Life, the March for Life, everything that's going on there. Vice President Mike Pence will speak at the March for Life event this weekend in Washington, D.C. Probably by the time you listen to this, uh, that has actually already happened because uh, it's happening on the Friday that we were dropping this. Uh, but he will be the first time since the march began that a president or vice president will speak at the event in person. Ronald Reagan and George Bush have done so but only done so remotely. But Vice President Pence going down to the mall and going to speak at the March for Life, which is kind of coinciding with what the ERLC is doing right now in the Evangelicals for Life conference. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. You know, we've been hearing for a few days that uh, Kellyanne Conway is is speaking at the March for Life. Go which, Patriots. Yeah, which was the, the highest ranking White House staffer uh, to have addressed. But then the news drops that Vice President Pence will be there. Uh, that's a, a, a really big deal. Would he be considered a White House staffer, though? Or would she still be the senior, the highest-ranking White House official? Because uh, technically, I guess he's not really a White House official as much as he's an EEOB official. Yeah, no, she's still the highest-ranking White House staffer to address. This is just in addition to that. Oh, okay. He's not a White House staffer. Right. It's just it's just big news in addition to that. Yeah, he outranks her, though, a lot. Cause, yeah. Well, yeah, his position is, is uh, named in the Constitution of the United States. But... All I'm saying is this is it's a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. Huge deal. So uh, that that should be a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, congratulations to the the organizers of the March for Life event as well as uh, thank you for the vice president for showing up for that to speak up for the unborn. And that kind of plays into one of our lead stories here in the SBC this week. The ERLC has deployed an online effort uh, to defund planned parenthood. So there is a, a hashtag defund PP. Uh, as well as just some some opportunities for you to get involved in a digital petition. Uh, we'll link to that as well. It's kind of all coinciding what we're talking about with the, the March for Life, the, the Evangelicals for Life conference, uh, second annual conference that's going on there in D.C. Uh, but you can find out more about that. We've got the link to the story in Baptist Press about that. And, uh, you know, it's it's exciting to see this coming from the URLC to, you know, move to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh President Trump signed the ban on international funding for abortions last week. And also this week we saw the uh, Hyde Amendment be voted on by the House of Representatives, passed on to the Senate uh, to keep abortion funding from taxpayer dollars. But uh, they're trying to cut everything from the government and federal dollars to Planned Parenthood, the country's number one abortion provider. And uh, this is exciting times to see this happening. And it's something I don't think we thought we'd see, you know, going into the presidential election. No, and it, and this is it's a lot happening all at once. Um, and certainly, as well, you mentioned the Evangelicals for Life conference is uh, going on. Even as we're recording this, we're starting to see some quotes uh, pop in the hashtag. Um, 
and uh, that there's a lot of good stuff happening. They're addressing how this is uh, is bigger than just this this one issue. It goes into you know valuing all of life. They've got a lot of great speakers, great lineup, and are doing a live stream of that, um, and then participating in the March for Life as well. Uh, so just there's tons of news um, surrounding uh, surrounding this, and I think we're going to continue to see more. Yep, and that comes on the heels also of a new staffer joining the RLC. Former Tennessee GOP Executive Director Brent Leatherwood has been appointed as the new Director of Strategic Partnerships for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Brent is no stranger to those of us in Tennessee, being the former Tennessee GOP Executive Director, uh, but also a Southern Baptist uh, member over at Brentwood Baptist's uh, 12th Avenue South. And uh, so it's, it's good to have Brent on board here with us in the SBC. Excellent news. Uh, we've all, and we've also had some other staff changes happening around the SBC as well, right, Jonathan? Yeah, we uh, Stephen Smith, who many of you know as the vice president of uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and, and this happened kind of over the break, and we didn't, never had a chance to drop it into a podcast, but wanted to congratulate him on his new role as the pastor at Emmanuel Baptist up in Little Rock, Arkansas. He takes over for Gary Hollingsworth, who we've had on the podcast, that went over to the South Carolina Executive Director position. Yeah. So Stephen left there. And uh, so congratulations to Stephen on that move. There's a the funny picture. Did you see the picture of his daughter? Uh, the yes, day dabbing. His daughter was dabbing uh, the yes. day that he was voted in at uh, at Emmanuel Baptist. So that was a pretty fun picture. And, yes. uh, but uh, some uh, belated congratulations. I think he starts this weekend or next weekend at Emmanuel Baptist, but I just wanted to drop that in the podcast. Lots of exciting stuff happening. Uh, moving to uh, some internet conversation this week uh, came uh, on the heels of a pastor here in Tennessee resigning as an IMB trustee. Uh, there's a, an article in the Baptist and Reflector that's been picked up and and run in different state Baptist convention newspapers and websites. Uh, Lonnie Wilkie wrote a story about Dean Hahn. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church Morristown here in Tennessee, who has resigned as a IMB trustee. In response to the amicus brief that was filed in New Jersey for the construction of a Muslim mosque, ERLC was also involved in that amicus brief. And there's been a lot of internet discussion about this, Amy, and Bart Barber, friend of the pod, mm-hmm. and uh, has, has been on here before. We've had him interviewed as well. Uh, he wrote a good response to this and, and kind of explained some of the religious liberty implications for it. So we're going to link to both of those stories. But this has kind of been the, the thing online this week here in the SBC. Yeah, certainly some conversation. Uh, but it's uh, it's good to, you know, good to remember that Bart calls our attention to religious liberty being uh something focused in the Baptist faith and message. Uh, But this is a conversation that Baptists have been having since the very beginning, um, all the way back to Roger Williams, uh, John Leland, Isaac Bacchus, um, in kind of the founding of America, the Baptists have been very involved in issues of religious liberty. So what? It, while it may feel like kind of a new conversation, um, it really isn't. It's one of the, the uh, oldest conversations that we have been having. So it's just some, some very thorough treatments of it out there. Yep. And also uh, last weekend, I uh, woke up Saturday morning and big time tornadoes going through where I went to school in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, really hit hard was William Carey University in Hattiesburg. It's a state Baptist college there, had some serious damage there. And then two days later, there were even more tornadoes in southeast Georgia. And in all, in the, just the three-day span there, January 21st to the 23rd, 20 deaths and 34 tornadoes were confirmed in the southeast. So uh, pretty devastating weather down there. Southern Baptists are on the ground with disaster relief and chaplains in the area. So uh, unfortunately, send relief getting into 
use again. Uh, it's, it's good that we have it. It's bad that we have to use it. Yes. It is a great thing that many of our churches and church members are involved in. But like you said, it's one of those things you really wish we never had to call on them. All right. Well, Amy, hey, we've got some competition in the Baptist podcast world. The Baptist and Reflector, Tennessee's Baptist Ooh. newspaper, and Chris Turner have uh, put out a, pa- a podcast, Radio BNR. Nice. Well, that's that's good. We get more and more people having the conversation out there. Um, I have several podcasts I like to listen to, so uh, let's let's throw them in the mix. Yep, more the merrier. And uh, congratulations to those guys for launching that podcast. It's 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 good to consume news via you know reading it and whether on print or digitally. Uh, but the podcast the medium allows you to do uh, so in a different way. So it's uh, good to have these guys around and have to check out an episode of that. We got a link to. Uh, the Baptist and Reflector Radio uh, B&R podcast. This next story, Amy, we mentioned last week, it was our resource of the week, but there's an official story with all the information about it this week. Lifeway released the new Christian Standard Bible, or announced the release of the new Christian Standard Bible. Uh, And this was a work of more than 100 Bible scholars, 17 denominations, helping translate the CSB from the original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. There's a whole lot of information in this. Trevin Wax, Brandon Smith, a lot of my coworkers here at Lifeway have been heavily involved in this. Need to see this being finally released to the public. So I, I know yes. there's a few copies out there. Have you gotten your hands on a copy yet? I do have you a do. copy. Um, yeah, so I, I'm excited to have that. I'm looking forward to when kind of the like the the note taking copy is oh, yeah, out yeah, yeah. and the like the really nice um, was it goatskin or calfskin mm-hmm. whatever copies come out because I, I want to get get one of those but I do have uh, I do have a copy here got it at ETS and I'm very excited to have that yeah I have a goatskin one it's really nice it's very soft okay and I use that in my daily Bible reading well that's what I have, I have one of, that's what I have of the old one and I um I have and a I have skin one, a gold one yeah okay maybe it's calfskin whatever and I have a lot of notes in it so I'm gonna have to transfer them that's mm-hmm. the hard part. Uh, but I'm not doing it in the one I got at ETS. I'm waiting for my goat skin. Okay. To, All right. Uh, so yeah, to switch over. We'll have to check that out. Maybe maybe I can find one later around here. Maybe you can. Maybe I can. All right. We'll see. All right. Final note here. And you know, Amy, you know what next week is, right? I do. It is the Super Bowl. Yes. Next weekend is the Super Bowl. Some new research from Lifeway Research uh, about the Super Bowl. It seems like we have research on the Super Bowl from a lot of different places. It's a good topic for research, I guess. Uh, but does your church typically continue, cancel, or adjust Sunday night activities on Super Bowl Sunday? And that, that actually, you know, is assuming that you have Sunday night activities, because a lot of churches don't. So if you have Sunday night church, Amy, I know your church does not, mine does. Uh, right. Do they typically continue, cancel, or adjust Sunday night activities on Super Bowl Sundays? And the results are? 59% continue with normal Sunday night activities. Just say it's Sunday, we're doing church, and yeah, this is where we'll be. 59%. Yes. I, I thought that was high. I expected it to be lower. I, and I'm guessing that number is continuing to go down. I, I'm guessing the adjust Sunday night activities number is going up. That would be yeah. my guess. If, if you'd gone back five years, I think the adjust is going up and the continue has gone down. Adjust to include watching the game. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was 24%. And 12% is adjust in other ways. Only 5% actually um cancel Sunday night activities. And I've been in churches that have done everything. Um, they've continued with normal activities. I've been in ones where they have like 
um, a service and then you'll go, you know, go to the fellowship hall and watch the game. Uh, lots of different, different options. Um, but so yeah. there's really like four options, it seems. And that's the four options here. So you have to continue with normal, like nothing's ever happening. Right. Cancel Sunday night. That's just, we're not going to have anything and you just do whatever you want. Then there's the adjust Sunday night to include watching the game. And I think that's what you're mentioning where you, we're going to have a, you know, a brief service and then we're going to, you know, have the game on at the fellowship hall. Everybody bring chili or soup or something like that. And we, we all have a big fellowship and watch the game. And then number the, uh, the 12% here is adjust Sunday night activities in other ways. And I'm guessing that's what my church is doing where we, we are canceling Sunday night services and activities for kind of, but we're also saying instead of having Sunday night activities, we're going to adjust them in another way. We're going to have small groups host parties and you know try to bring in people in your neighborhoods and host small group parties and get together and watch the game. Yeah, so lots of different ones. I think. Um, so I think I think that's I, where my church would fall into twelve percent. Yeah, yeah, and of course, as you as you mentioned, um, our church uh, doesn't have a, a Sunday night service, but we uh, a lot of a lot of our uh, small groups meet on Sunday night, including ours. So typically the small group ends up kind of doing something around uh, the game, some type of uh, fellowship. And it's a you know great opportunity just for for connection. Um, but most I, I'm trying to think most of the churches I've been to have continued with Sunday normal Sunday night activities. But then we uh, would leave after. Uh, the Sunday night service, our family would, and would, you know, go hang out at somebody's house or whatever and watch the game after. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I think time I think zone also plays into that too. Right. Because in the central time, Super Bowl starts usually around 5, 5.30, which is earlier than most Sunday night services. So you couldn't do right. service then game. On the East Coast, if you have a 6 o'clock Sunday evening service, game starts 6, 6.30, you can do yeah. a shortened service or just a normal service and then just, yeah, just pick normal it up service, in the first but- quarter. Yeah, yeah, normal service, but then just go home and watch it and hang out together. So, and if you're on the West Coast, um, you're all confused. Yes. Because it's so. Are you a like big? 3, are 3, you a big Super Bowl watcher? I, I I do. I mean, I watch the playoffs. I watch a lot of NFL as it is, and then the Super Bowl Sunday is is the one you know where my wife actually watches with me. So that's different for me. Nice. I enjoy the I enjoy the social aspect. Always yeah. have. Um, but I don't always pay attention to what's going on in the game. Yeah, the Super Bowl is – Twitter and Facebook and stuff are made for Super Bowl Sunday, it, it seems, especially Twitter because there's always a conversation going on in the room. There's a conversation going on on Twitter, and then there's a conversation, you know, whatever's happening on the screen. So you're, like, split three different ways trying to pay attention to everything. Yes. And there's always food. Food. That's the that's the. That's what you're part. there for, right? Yeah. Yes. Chips and Absolutely. guac. Absolutely. There you go. Got to have, gotta have guacamole and queso. I don't know where that those are, started. Those are good words for any – Sunday night gathering or any Monday yeah. night gathering or Tuesday, you know, chips, yeah. guac, and queso, they make everything better. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week, Amy, and that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to go one more week on uh, some presidential connections. Uh, just you because with a presidential story? Shocker. I know. It just kind of gets my attention whenever I see that. Um, but in 1973. Richard Nixon. Well, he was the president at yes. the time, but that was also the week of uh, the funeral of former president Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, who So he had died. a president die during inauguration week, basically, or right after it. Yes, it, it would have been. Um, 
at the beginning of Richard Nixon's uh, second term, yeah. which he did not finish, as we no. know. But that's a different story that most of our listeners, I'm sure, are aware of. Um, but Lyndon Johnson, he had not been out of office, you know, that long. No, um, just four had, years. Had right had died, and his funeral was um, in in Washington. But what was interesting, there's a, a, a lengthy story in Baptist Press because there were a number of Baptists that were involved in his funeral. Marvin Watson, uh, who was uh, a lifelong friend of his, he was a, a, a Baptist deacon um, and a graduate of Baylor. He uh, did one of the, one of the eulogies. Um, Billy Graham, did the graveside service. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, did um, Anita Bryant, who was a, a Southern Baptist, sang at the graveside service um, in Texas, sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Uh, and then in the story, I thought this was very interesting. Now, uh, Lyndon Johnson was not Southern Baptist. He was a member of the Disciples of Christ uh, Church. But this story tells me something I never knew. He was the great-grandson of a Baptist preacher in Texas, George Washington Baines. That's where he got his middle name. Um he had preached in Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, and he was pastor of a Baptist church in Huntsville, Texas, where Sam Houston yep. was a member. Yep, there's a massive Sam Houston sculpture, or not sculpture, I guess statue in Huntsville, like 80 feet tall. Yes, and also uh, Lyndon Johnson's great-grandfather was president of Baylor University during uh, the Civil War wow. and was one of the was one of the earliest secretaries of the BGCT, Baptist <laughs> General Convention of Texas. And so uh, it says in the article that um, that Lyndon Johnson spoke to uh, the Christian Life Commission, which is the precursor to the ERLC, uh, in some conferences in Washington in 64 and 68. And he talked about um, his Baptist heritage, his connection. Um, so he, he did some things to kind of interact with Southern Baptists during those years, and it was 44 years ago this week that his funeral was held, um, and many Baptists were a part of that. Um, it's a very interesting article, so we're dropping that issue of Baptist Press into the show notes uh, so you can see that, but it's just interesting to, to see uh, just kind of the different ways that Baptists uh, have kind of interacted uh, within uh, within our culture and within our nation's history, and, and that was one of them was the connection with uh, Lyndon Johnson, which I didn't expect. You know, the Jimmy Carter connection, yeah. obviously, because he was Southern Baptist well, at the time. We've talked but. about Lyndon Johnson and Baptist before, or was it Harry Truman? I can't remember which one of them was the one that was yelling at the Baptists. That was Harry Truman. Was that Harry Truman? Okay. That was Harry Truman. All right. So we get some connection. I mean, you could look at almost every president. We well, got yeah. some connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all, always some very interesting stories. I love because I've always been fascinated, you know, when Lyndon Johnson chose not to run for a second term. I remember studying in history about how he basically just went back to Texas, settled in on his ranch. Uh, he grew his hair out long. I mean, long for him. Kind of just got away from the media. And uh, you can look at some, you can look online and there are a few pictures of him in those few years after. Uh, and it's just fascinating. It's very different. Um picture than what we normally see of him um, in his post-presidency. Of course, his wife, uh, Lady Bird, she lived for a very long time now, after that. Was that, that her real time. name or was that a title? Um, that was her nickname. It was not a title. Um, her nickname uh, from when she was a, a little baby. Was a, um, 
a, a family member, I think, said she looked like a pretty little ladybird or something like that, and it just stuck. But her name's actually Claudia. Okay. Yes. Get my Flotus history here from yes. Amy. This is something I learned this past week about Amy. You don't you don't joke about uh, the first ladies, and you don't joke about Bush forty one. That's right. You do not. No comments about first ladies because I will come back at you very quickly. Yes, I, I learned that the hard way this past week. So over text. Well, that, that's interesting, and, and you're right. It does seem that almost every president, it seems, has some kind of connection with Southern Baptists, uh, whether it be a, in an advisor role or you know throughout their history of their personal life. So uh, fascinating once again, and thanks again for this week in SBC History, Amy. And that'll bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Um, all right, mine's an old resource. It's not new, uh, but it's just bringing it back to the forefront. So I'm sure many of our readers, I mean, excuse me, many of our listeners um, have, are familiar with Francis Schaeffer, have read some Francis Schaeffer. Um, but for those who haven't, um, I am doing prep for classes this uh, spring as I'm back uh, taking classes at Southeastern. And part of the things that we uh, are reading for class or the 50th anniversary edition of How Should We Then Live? The Rise and Decline of Western Thought and Culture. Um, so it's uh, it's the Labrie 50th anniversary edition, excuse me. This has been out for a long time, but it's a very interesting thing to read now. So it gives kind of history, uh, build up of um, Western culture, and then takes you to a place where he, he was just very prolific, and it's interesting to see how he could almost just foresee certain things that were happening in our culture. Um, so I'm going to throw that out there as my resource for those who haven't read it, or if you have, read it again. All right. Well, that's cool. I have not read that, so I might have to look into getting that one. All right. My resource yes. of the week is the HBR, the Harvard Business Review, a magazine that I get here at the office every month. And really I do enjoy. As well. You get it as well. Yeah, um, I do. A fantastic magazine on business, uh, just really what's going on in business, trends, insights, uh, training, all kind of stuff uh, for those of you. And you know that may seem kind of crazy in the, the church world, but I have found that uh, there's not a lot of difference uh, when it comes to operating churches and operating businesses. Uh, you know, there's a, a big Holy Spirit aspect for uh, the content of the church versus the business world, but at the same time, operating. Uh, churches uh, requires a lot of business acumen at times, and uh, the HBR is one of the best resources out there for business insight, business tools, and business knowledge. So I encourage you to check out the Harvard Business Review uh, magazines. They got a lot of different resources as well. It's a great website. So uh, that that's my resource of the week. Some great stuff. Well, Amy, February is upon us uh, this coming week, and that means that trustee meetings are starting to kick off around the national entities and state evangelism conferences as well. Usually those are happening in the early spring and the late winter, I guess you could call February. Uh, but I am headed to Oklahoma with Dr. Rayner uh, this week, and we are going to the Oklahoma State Evangelism Conference. I know a lot of the states are having evangelism conferences around this time of the year. So all the best to you if you're hosting those or speaking at those or attending those. And LifeWay's trustee meeting is also coming up next week. So uh, the 6th and the 7th, I believe, is the dates on that one. So be a, a bit of a busy time over here in the How House. And then that gets us to executive committee meeting later in the month here. So people will be descending on Nashville again for the executive committee meeting uh, for February. That's the 20th and 21st, I believe, are those dates. 
So it's going to be a busy February for me. I know uh, at uh, the school, it's it never slows down. Never slows down, and uh, there's always uh, something. There's always something going on, and um, now that I'm a student. Uh, even when there's not anything going on, there's certainly something I can be doing. So, <laughs> Yes, there is. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. Don't forget, check out the Evangelicals for Life conference. You can watch uh, some of the goings on at that conference, and they'll have the uh, the archive video up, I'm sure, in the coming days. Uh, check out live.evangelicals.life uh, for the information there, live.evangelicals.life. Also, the uh, defund Planned Parenthood digital Uh, petition that's going on over at the URLC site. So check out all of those and we will see you next week. See you next week.